Would you stand and help me sing that old hymn of the church? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Father and our God, thank you so much this morning for these great men who have labored in worship. Thank you for the songs they sang that warmed our heart by the way. Thank you, O oh God, for another privileged time to open your word, to preach and teach to these, your people. Would you meet us now as we walk through the text? Give me now preaching power and preaching permission that preaching may be done. And to this end, we'll be mindful that when we're through to give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen and amen, amen. While you're standing, while you're standing, the gospel according to Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12. Thank you for watching at home. We invite you next week to leave that place of abode and come in social distance with us in the sun 
There's a beautiful crowd out here today. Come on, make some noise, somebody. You should be here. You should be here. Luke chapter 12, verse 54. Verse 54. I want to thank my son, the great evangelist, Reverend White. What a job he did last week. My, 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 my. I don't know if you can hear me shouting all the way from Santa Barbara, but I was yelling, preach, Reverend. He was doing it. Thank you, Reverend. I love you. I love you so much. Luke 12, verse 54. Then he also said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower is coming and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be hot weather today. And there is. Hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth. But how is it you cannot discern the times? Yes, and why? Even of yourselves, do you not judge what is right? When you go with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to settle with him, unless he drag you to the judge, and the judge drag you to the officer, and the officer throw you in prison. But I tell you, you shall not depart from there until... You have paid the very last might. And all God's children said, oh my. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to tag this message today. The call of discernment. What every believer needs today. Thank you, brothers, for your ministry this morning. Family, have you ever knew something bad was going to happen, but you ignored the warning signs? Have you ever had a chance to escape danger, but refused to exercise discernment? And you did that because you thought this couldn't possibly happen to me. I'll never forget what happened to me on the first day, Brother Lorda, of middle school. Saren, my homeboy, and I were walking home, and we got close to our neighborhood when suddenly we heard the feet of the 112th Street Hoover Crips running and chasing home everybody that lived in the Raymond Avenue territory. Saren saw him first and said, I'm running. And I told Saren, I ain't scared of no Hoover Crips. As they kept coming, he took off and I kept walking. And y'all know what? I made the biggest mistake of my life. That day I experienced violence like I never had before. I took a beat down, Pee Wee, that's still with me 48 years later. You know why? I refused to discern what time it was. Lady Nichols, somebody looking at me today has been there too. You saw the storm clouds coming. You heard the feet of the evil one running after you. 
But instead of doing the right thing, you acted like this can't happen to me. And as a result, you and I both suffer from what I call a lack of discernment. And what a tragedy to experience suffering because you didn't use discernment. What a tragedy to get knots and bruises because you wouldn't exercise discernment. What a tragedy to experience unwanted pain and suffering that could have been avoided had you exercised discernment. I just got one more, can I say it? What a tragedy to hurt your own self with ignorance because you knew what to do but decided I'm not going to do it. That's exactly what Jesus is teaching against today in this passage. So I stopped by to tell you on my way to chapter 13 that what we need in the world now more than ever is Christians who can exercise discernment to know what time it is and know what they ought to do concerning the times. Reverend Nicholson, there are two things in this passage Jesus is revealing to the disciples who are following him. Number one, he's opening for them their observations regarding discernment. And the second thing he's opening is their opportunities to practice discernments. So I got two points, their observations and their opportunities. Y'all going to work with me? Just four quick verses and I'll be up out of your way. Verse 54, the Bible says, then he also said, Reverend Mason, to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower is coming. And so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say the weather is going to be hot today. And it is. You hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you can't discern the time? Now, them verses is loaded right there. The first thing we see in this verse, Mason, is that Jesus is revealing to the disciples their ability to discern when something is about to happen in their lives. And he gives the analogy, Brother Reuben, of the weather observations. He says, you can see the storm clouds gathering and you can even declare it's about the rain. Or you can feel the winds changing and discern today's going to be hot. However, what you cannot do is discern the times. Watch this. And you can't discern it because you won't discern it. And that's why he calls them hypocrites. Y'all catch it? You can see it, but you don't want to see it. He's saying as a result, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and the earth, but how is it you won't discern the times? Jesus in this text calls them a very familiar word, Reverend Tom. We've talked about it several weeks, the hypocrite. Well, the hypocrite was that Greco-Roman 
an actor who worked in theater. Y'all heard me talk about this several times. Back then, they wore masks on a stick. And when they would come out on the stage, Sister Rie, they would have the mask pointed in one direction. And then when they turned the mask, Sister Arias, there was another face on the other side. They were called hypocrites. They were actors. And Jesus is saying this because you are acting one way when you really know the other way. Can I say some more? God's simply trying to warn somebody today about acting like you understand, but behaving like you could care less. Sister Bunch, he's trying to warn you and I, daughter, to pay attention to what you are seeing and what you are doing. He's trying to warn us, Reverend Bowdry, that you can't ignore the truth of his word and act like you love his word, too. You can't be a hypocrite when it comes to the things of God. And so hear the word of the Lord today. If I were you and I was acting the part of a hypocrite, I'd knock it off, Brother Sean, and I'd live the life I'm supposed to live in the face of a holy God. I'm going to walk through tall grass this morning, all right? Y'all going to help me? If I were you and I was acting a part of a hypocrite, I would knock it off and I would live in the truth of what God thinks about me and not what the world wants from me. If it was me, I'd quit acting one way and live in the truth and the right way. Jesus is saying to the multitude, quit playing the role of a two-faced actor. On another note, I learned something in this passage. See, according to the Greco-Roman culture, being a hypocrite was the thing to be. Brother Roy, they paid actors real good. And according to your acting skills, Sister Cooey, the better actor got the better pay. I think I'll stop right there. So on one hand, it was to your earthly benefit to play the role of a hypocrite. But Jesus uses it as a spiritual analogy to say this is a bad thing to behave and to act like. But I wonder here, I wonder here, and I don't want to pick on nobody. I just want you to know that I understand why you might be playing the hypocrite. Perhaps. The reason you play the hypocrite is you like what the lifestyle provides. Perhaps the money is just so good. Perhaps you say, Pastor, you don't know, man, I'm living in a global pandemic. I need to act this way so I can keep my lights on. I need to act that way so I can drive what I like to drive. Perhaps it's the likes. And the other boys and girls that makes being a hypocrite not so bad. Perhaps a little weed ain't hurting nobody. Uh, perhaps it's just liking the attention and the comforts that life can bring you that you can really play the hypocrite when it comes to God. 
The hypocrite was paid well, Reverend White. But the sad thing is, when they got off the stage, they were still just as miserable. Amen, amen. And I'm praying today, I've been wrestling with this text boundary. I'm praying that somebody will resign this morning from trying to please the world and trying to please God too. I'm praying today, Lady White, that somebody will resign from trying to be something that they're really not, daughter. I'm praying that somebody will give up the stage life for the simple life. I'm praying today that somebody, Brother Lord, will resign from trying to please the crowd and just be who God made you to be and submit to his plan for your life. Ran across the story this week. I thought, Brother Terry, it was pretty humorous because I felt like after that point, I need a laugh right in there. There was this man who wanted to impress his friends. He had taken up a hobby, Sister Zuniga, of being an art critic. So he invited all of his boys to go with him to the local art gallery, daughter. And when he got there, he reached into his pocket and recognized he left his glasses at home. And he couldn't see without his glasses, but he figured they don't know nothing about art. I'll just fake it till I make it. He got inside and he went to the very first frame he could find, Pastor Widow. And he got to the frame and he quickly said, what a hideous and ugly piece of work. I mean, it is really a poor rendition of what the author was trying to paint. And he went on and on to criticize this piece that he was looking at. When all of a sudden, Reverend White, his homeboys begin to laugh. Wife came up behind him and whispered in his Honey, you're looking in the mirror. Did you catch it? In other words, the man didn't use discernment. And instead, he tried to wing it. And as a result, he ended up looking like a fool. All I'm trying to tell you is true discernment will keep you, Sister Carla, from looking like a fool. I thought it was funny to me. All right. We looked at the disciples' observation. Let's look now at the disciples' opportunity. And I'm through. The Bible says in verse 57 that Jesus says, And yes, why even of yourselves do you not judge what is right? Why don't you just judge what is right, he's saying. Verse 58. For when you go to your adversary, your enemy, to the magistrate, make every effort to get along and to settle with him unless he drag you to the judge. And then the judge deliver you to the officer and the officer throw you into prison. For I tell you, you shall not depart from there until you have paid the very last mite or the very last penny. Lady McBee, it's good to see you. Daughter, when we arrive at this second portion of the scripture, 
we see Jesus giving the crowd an opportunity to exercise discernment while, here it is, they are facing opposition. According to the passage, Jesus is making them aware of their inability to make right decisions for themselves. He says, why can't y'all decide for yourself what's right? He then gives them an example of what he's talking about. Uh, Lady Baldry, he says, when you are on your way to civil court with your accuser, daughter, try to settle the matter before you get there. Otherwise, your accuser may drag you before the judge and the judge will hand you over to the police and the police will throw you into the jail. Y'all see it right there? Here it is. Settle the matter with your enemy before somebody else settles it for you. He says, he says, Mason, uh, in other words, exercise discernment and know what's going to happen to you before it happens. I wrote myself a note, then I took it out, but I'm going to put it back in this morning. If you know you've done wrong, then you better expect wrong is coming. Y'all in here? If you know you've been misbehaving, don't act like misbehavior ain't coming your way. He said, use some discernment. If I mistreated somebody, let me go fix it before they invite somebody else in to fix it for me. Jesus, what he does in this text is lays out the importance, Mother Ross, of having discernment. In other words, we all need to exercise discernment in this life as Christians. Brother Ed, secondly, he says, if you exercise discernment, it'll keep you from misbehaving against people. Huh? It got mighty quiet right around through there. It, it, what a powerful lesson. Discernment will make me think before I cuss her out. Discernment will make me think before I just ram that car a little bit for cutting me off. I ain't got no help through there, Lady Tongue. I'm by myself. Discernment will make me think before I cut her down or cut him down and spread this lie that they ain't got coming. What a powerful lesson. Reminds me of another story I read this week. Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, said this. There was a man who was taking a bus ride with his son. And the bus was completely jam-packed. And his little boy was off the chain. You know, they thought he had ADD or something. He was running up and down the aisles, stepping on people's feet and just having a big old time. And the man didn't say anything, Sister Arias. Finally, one of the passengers on the bus got so mad, they went and approached the dad. They said, look, I've been looking at you and you unkept. Your hair ain't kept. Your, your eyes is all red. Why don't you make this little boy behave? 
Finally, the father looked up at him and said, I'm, I'm so sorry. You see, his mama just died in the hospital a few hours ago. And I'm just trying to figure out how to tell him as we go to see her. The man stood back and realized what a fool he was. See, he judged somebody without discerning that something else could be happening in their lives. True story right there. Can I say some more right here? This man didn't get it, but the accuser in the story was not a man of discernment. And as a result, he became a man of offense. How many times have you done that? How many times have you judged the book by its cover? How many times have you judged a single mama? How many times have you judged a single man? How many times have you judged a widow or a widower? Come, I feel my help already. How many times have you judged a co-worker? You don't really know why that mama got on drugs. You just got something to say about her having a drug problem. How many times have you not exercised discernment and act like you knew what was going on, but you didn't have a clue? Yeah. Yeah. Guess what God is trying to teach you and I, Reuben, to be people who slow to speak and quick to pray. What the church needs today. Y'all catch it right here? I ain't worried about the world because that's what the world do. I'm talking to Christians. What the church needs today is to exercise some discernment. Amen. Can I get another one, Sister Green? Yes. Thank you. Your amens matter. Can I have another one? Amen. What the church needs today is show the world how discernment works. I ain't worried about the world misbehaving. I'm worried about the church misbehaving. We so quick to blog. We so quick to tweet. We so quick to text. To post stuff on Facebook, but ain't nobody exercising discernment if it should be said. Jesus is getting ready to head to, 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 to Golgotha. Next week we'll be looking at 13. He's going to start making his way toward the cross. But before he does, he's checking the church along the way. Reminding the disciples that we must be men and women, Lady Rie, of discernment. I got to get out of here. But I'm glad the greatest man I ever knew was a man of discernment. Jesus, as the God man, Brother Cooley, always exercised discernment. Jesus exercised discernment when he called those 12 raggedy men. He could have called somebody much better white, but discernment made him choose that which was broken. Discernment made him choose the ones nobody else would choose. Discernment gave him an eye for that which nobody else could fix. I'm glad he exercised discernment. Did you notice he didn't always heal everybody? Only certain people got the healing because of his discernment. Did you recognize he didn't feed every multitude? He just used discernment on who he would help and when he would help them. I feel like walking through here. Jesus exercised discernment when he did miracles in nature. 
What do you mean? Everybody didn't see him walk on water. Everybody didn't see him wake up in the boat and rebuke the sea. Only a select few got to see him work like that. He exercised discernment. Somebody holler discernment. When he talked the parables, nobody got the meaning until he pulled the 12 aside and said, let me explain this to you. Y'all in here? He exercised discernment when he preached his sermons outdoors. He could tell the times and the seasons and knew when it was right to offer himself up as a sacrifice to humanity. Can I park the car? You ever wonder why he waited to the Passover feast to give up his life? Discernment. He wanted to fulfill prophecy and have everything lined up. He could have gave himself up any time he wanted to. But he waited. Exercised discernment. A man of discernment. He could discern when the last miracle should happen. He would discern when he would preach his last sermon. He would discern McBee when he'd give his last teaching. And he would discern when he laid down his life. Come on in here. I say, come on in here. Didn't you hear him say, don't nobody take my life? But I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I'll take it up again. Somebody holler, that's discernment. He was a man of discernment, I tell you. And when he thought the time was right, he submitted himself to the torturous pain of human sacrifice out on an old rugged cross. Being a man of discernment, he gave him the left hand and then he gave him the right hand. Being a man of discernment, gave his head to the thorns. And his feet to the nails. Being a man of discernment. Hey. Gave his side to the spear. Being a man of discernment. He checked all the prophetic scriptures. And when he got to the last one. The sermon says now you can cry it's finished. And because he discerned everything was done. He bowed his head in the locks of his shoulders. Died, didn't he die? He died because the sermon thought it good. They took the body down and he went into a borrowed tomb and the sermon would have him open the seeds of the grave, take the sting out of death and early, early, Sunday morning with all power when the father said now's the time discernment raised him and now he's sitting at the right hand of God discerning when the right time is to come back and get his church can you see now why he needs you to exercise discernment in the earth he needs you to not only be born again but to act born again when you use discernment, you can act like you know who you're following. You can act like God wants you to behave in the earth. I'm glad today 
discernment is on my side. I'm glad today. I don't have to submit my life and my heart to the desires of my flesh. My flesh may want to knock him upside the head, but discernment say that's not good for the kingdom. My mouth might want to speak something against somebody, Cooley, but discernment say, no, that won't glorify God. My heart, Sister BJ, might want to get even because you did me wrong. But discernment say, no, what would Jesus do? Are you in here today? I said, are you in here today? I need about 10 of you that'll just be honest with me and say, Pastor, I'm struggling. Come on, somebody just say, Pastor, I'm struggling. I'm bound up to here with these people. And I believe that what God wants to do is empower you today. He wants to empower you to walk in the spirit so you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Use discernment so you won't offend. Use discernment so you can bring God honor and glory in every area of your life. Would you bow with me today for an honest word of prayer? Our Father and our God, as Christians, we come humbly before your throne, willing to admit it's hard living down here. We come honestly today, wanting to pray a sickum prayer, because we're tired of people mistreating us, lying on us, doing us wrong. But then we run into passages like these and we know it's your spirit. We thank you, spirit of the living God, for saying the hard things to us in difficult moments. We know that none of us are perfect and none of us get it right, but Lord, there are still those times when we want to say what we want to say. We need your help today. First of all, would you forgive us? Somebody holler, forgive me, Lord. Lord, would you help us? Would you give us discernment when it's time or when we're tempted with times of misbehavior? Help us, oh God. To walk in the upright way. Would you renew our hearts and renew our minds? Give us a greater determination to follow you and obey you. For we need it, Lord. Thank you for giving us the model for, for, for walking it for us. Teaching us how to be men and women of discernment. Thank you for cleansing us with your blood. And then thank you for giving us the power to exercise discernment in a fallen world. Now, Lord, if there is one who is here who does not know you, it's my prayer that this message might challenge, convict, convert, compel, 
them to make a decision for you today. Oh son, oh daughter, if you are here today and you don't have a personal intimate relationship with Christ, you don't have the power to exercise discernment. It's not in you, but I know the one who can give it to you and his name is Jesus. And the Bible says if you will confess him with your mouth and believe on him in your heart, you will be saved. For by grace, you are saved through faith and that not of yourself, but it's a gift from God, not of works, unless any of us could boast. Would you ask him to come into your heart today by simply praying this prayer? We'll pray with you. Say, Father, I'm a sinner and I need my sin forgiven. Jesus, come into my heart and save me. I'm sorry for my sin against you. I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. Come into my heart and save me now. In your name I pray. Amen. Beloved, if you just prayed that prayer and you're online, would you please instantly right now just put a message for us in the DM. I just prayed that prayer. Pastor, call me. I'm going to reach out to you. We're going to reach out to you and explain to you the more excellent way. If you're here on land and you just prayed that prayer as well, immediately after church, if you will make your way to this podium where I stand, I want to meet with you and give you some wonderful good news about what you've just done. Thank you, beloved, for your patience today. Thank you for being a part of the worship experience. We're going to do two things right now. One, I'm going to get ready to release you to your automobiles, and I need your help. I need for you on your way out to remember the word of the Lord and to trust the Lord by giving him his offering through your act of worship today. New beginnings. I mentioned this week in a brief email and a video note for you that over the last now 14 months of the pandemic, We've lost close to 40% of our giving and we have fallen behind substantially and what we owe to our covenant landlords for both of these parcels. I know it looks like we're doing well, but the truth is a lot of you have walked away from your commitment to God. You quit giving to God. I don't know what you're doing with God's money, but it's his money. And you've done something else with it. And as a result, his house is going without the resources. So I stand today to challenge you as your pastor. Don't forget God. Don't leave God out. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you today to go online and go to www.nbcbc.org. Click on the giving app and there you will see the 2021 Stewardship Challenge and find out how you can give to what you have failed to do 
in obedience to the Lord. Now, of course, I'm not talking to everybody. You know who you are. Those of you who've been faithful to the work of the kingdom, faithful to obeying God, thank you so much. We would have not been able to do what we have been able to do without you. So may the Lord continue to bless you and stretch your resources so that you can do more. But we need your help too. So we're asking for, just go to the webpage, please. I don't want to do put all our business out there on the web. I know somebody said, why pastor doing that on Facebook? Well, y'all made me do it. So go to the website, find out how you can help support your work. Now I need you to know a lot of people have quit going to church. You know them. They quit showing up to Bible studies. They quit going online to Christian education. They won't come to the parking lot. And I don't know where they're at. They won't respond to emails. They won't respond to texts. They're not responding to phone calls. That teaches me that we've lost a significant amount of our congregation. So we have to continue to do what God has called us to do. So let's step up, New Beginnings. Amen. And let's do all that God has called us to do. Thank you so much for your loving kindness. Tell somebody you love, he ain't mad, he just pastored. He ain't mad, he just pastored. I'd be a poor shepherd if I didn't do that. Would you bow your heads with me for prayer? On our way out today, Sister Linda, would you wave at me, love? Amen. You can give your offerings on, on the, uh, this table back there on the way out. Thank you so much. Our Father and our God, thank you today for this challenge. The call to exercise discernment. Now bless these, your people. Thank you for their obedience to your word. Thank you for their willingness to support the work of the kingdom, to make disciples, and to go out in the world and spread the glorious good news of the gospel. Father, we need you in so many ways. But we're not going to get anxious. We're not going to fret. We're not going to worry. Because you told us to do none of those things. But we're going to seek first the kingdom of God. And your righteousness. And know that all these other things will be added to us. And we thank you for what you're going to do on behalf of this congregation. Now Father as we descend down the mountain. May the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us until yet we are able to meet again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray together and everyone sang, saying, beloved please social distance god bless you and god keep you brotherhood would you come brotherhood help us to take in the chairs the musical equipment all the brothers come on help us give us a hand
the service. Come on, help me, Fred. Glad to be in the service. Come on, help me, Mel. 